God, you are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. God, there is no other God like you. And we just stand in awe of you, God, on today, God. God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, for your loving kindness. We thank you, God, that you give us new mercies every morning. So, God, it don't matter what we do, how we do it, or when we do it. You already has given us mercy, God. But, God, we don't abuse mercy just because we have it, God. When we recognize, God, these new mercies every day, God, we just thank you, God. Because, God, you know that we will mess up, God. God, you know, God, that we will fall short. But because of your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness, God, we're here today. And so we say thank you, God. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary for the remissions of our sins. God, without the blood being shed, God, there would not be any remissions of sin. So we just thank you, God. And Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, God, you know what every individual in this place need. And I thank you that you have already met the needs in Jesus' name. God, we're not waiting for them to be met. God, we receive right now what you have already done in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Be our teacher, be our helper, lead us, guide us into all truth and reveal unto us on today. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to walk alongside of us. So, Father, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And, Father, as I go forth with this word, I thank you that this word will come forth with demonstration, God, and power, God. I thank you that it's not about me, God. It's all about you. So you shall get glory and honor and praise on today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto the church. Amen. God has already spoken, and we're just going to receive what God has already said. Amen? Because it's already written, so we want this written word to become rhema word. We want it to become spoken word. Because when the word began to speak to us, it quickens us. It brings us life. How many want to be quickened on today? How many want to receive life from the word of God today? I'm telling you, that's what the word will do. Go with me to Psalms 46. It's a very familiar passage to a lot of people, but we're going to go over this psalm and we're going to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto his people. So I thank God for you having itching ears to hear and your heart being open and receptive to hear the word of God today. I'm going to begin at verse 1 and I'm going to end at verse 1, but I'm going to um, go briefly through Psalms 46. In verse 1 it says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I want to talk about today, seeing God for who he is brings rest. Seeing God for who he is brings rest. And that's what I want to talk about today. When we know um, who God is, it brings us rest. And I believe that's the problem 
with the body of Christ, when you really don't know who he is, you won't have that rest. You won't have that peace in every area of your life. I have learned that in order to receive from God, I have to have that relationship with God. I have to be able to trust God and rely on God. And the only way I can do that is to know who God is. So this psalmist here, in the beginning of the psalm, he said, God is. And I want to stop right there because when you look at that word God, you just see in God. But back um, under the Old Testament, they recognized him by his redemptive names. And when you said when they put God here, it was really Elohim. And Elohim means creator. It means sustainer of all things. So when you look at Elohim, when you look at God, you're saying, God, you are the creator. And when we meditate on him being a creator and seeing the things that he created, God took nothing and he made it out of something. So everything you see when the Bible say in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, meaning that there was nothing there. So God took nothing and made it out of something by saying, let there be, and there was. And when God created everything, he said that it was good. It was very good. So we know that everything that God created is good because he is Elohim. So when you meditate on Elohim being the creator, you can meditate on God. You created me. I didn't even create myself. Everything about me comes from you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm the way that you will have for me to be. That's who Elohim is. God knew how to put things in place. He knew how to put people in place. God set things up the way he wanted them to be. See, the world is so out of order. The world is setting it up the way the world wanted it to be, but that was not how God originally set it up. So we as people of God, we have to let them know who he is. And the only way we can let them know who he is, we have to know who he is. We have to become intimate with God. When you become intimate with God, it's just like the Bible says, how Cain, how Abel knew his... his his wife Eve, and when he, not Eve, see y'all, I'm getting all for, um, mixed up because I'm trying to get this word in. But we see how Adam knew his wife, and when he knew his wife, guess what happened? They came together and they had what? Children. So when we come to God, we got to know him in such an intimate way that nobody would be able to take us away from what we know because every day we get so intimate with God. It's such a relationship, it's such a bond that every day I'm getting to know him as Elohim. I'm getting to know him as my creator. So when something is out of place, I know how God originally made it and God has given you authority to put his creation back in order the way he created that's how you know him as Elohim the Bible says that he's upholding all things by the word of his power meaning that everything was created by the word so when you begin to speak over things that are not functioning the way they need to function you have to use his word because everything he created was good so this psalmist I could not move from God is See, this is why when you get into the word of God, you don't just read it. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate that word, to open up that word to you, to bring that word to life. So when I was looking at Elohim, God was saying, even with our bodies, God created us. Our bodies, every tissue. Can you imagine? 
every tissue, every organ, every cell, every gland, every vital sign, every muscle, every tendon, every bone, every joint in your body. God created it. So when something in your body is cutting up and is acting up, I'm here to tell you, man can't put it back like it originally was. So what you have to understand when you know him as Elohim, your creator, when things begin to act up in your body, you begin to say, Mr. Creator. That's not the way you created my body to act. So you gave me the authority. You gave me the right to say, body, I command you in the name of Jesus to function the way God has created you to function. The word of God says, by Jesus' stripes, you were already healed. So be healed, be made whole right now in Jesus' name. And guess what? Your body is hearing Elohim speak. And as your body hear Elohim speak, there's a moving and a shaking and going on on the inside because Elohim have spoke to his creation. See, man can't fix what God has already created. Only thing man can do is bring it together to the best of their ability. But God is the one that do creative miracles. God is the one that give the gifts of healing to let man know what you look at is impossible. God said it's it's impossible with you, but all things are possible with God. He said, because my word is not void of power. Why? Because I created it. I know how it's supposed to run. I know how it's supposed to operate. So you just don't settle for less. You only settle for the best, which comes from Jesus. So he said, God is. I want y'all to catch on because if you had a caught on to that first part, whatever was going on in your body, come on, healing spoke. Elohim, the creator, spoke to your body and said, be healed, be made whole in Jesus' name. We have to speak every day. Body, I command you to function now the way God created you to function. This is why you have the Holy Spirit. So when something is out of order, you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I don't feel quite right this morning. My body ain't acting like it should be acting. You know what's going on with my body. So Holy Spirit revealed to me, make known what's hidden. And the Holy Spirit will begin to tell you what's going on. And as he tell you, you speak. This is why the Holy Spirit was hoovering. When God got ready to create and as he spoke, the Holy Spirit was hoovering. Why? He was waiting on the power of God so he could release his power upon what God was speaking. If you don't speak over yourself, you just allowing these things to come upon you. Because when God has given you the right to speak, see, you speak things that be not as though they were. And as you begin to speak life, that's what you're going to have life. But as you begin to speak death, that's what you're going to have is death. Why am I going there? Because when you know who God is and when you have a relationship with God, you just ain't going to say anything or do anything because you are so in an intimate relationship. You say, no, 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 no. That's not part of God's creation. That's not what God created. That's not how he created it. So how did Jesus react to the fig tree? Jesus knew him as Elohim. He knew him as a creator. 
So when that fig tree was not doing the way that God created it to do, Jesus said, hold up. He said, you're bringing forth something that God didn't bring forth. So I curse you at the root. Jesus didn't stay there and look at the tree. Jesus didn't wait on the tree to die. Jesus knew that tree was dead. Why? He said, because that's not part of God's creation. That's not the way God intended for you to be. So Jesus went about his business. And how could he go about his business? Because he was so in relationship with his father. See, that's why you got to have such a relationship that you know what God created and how it was created and how it's supposed to be. Because he was representing his father here on earth. Jesus walked off and his disciples said, Master, the tree that you cursed. He said it has died at the root. And Jesus said, have faith. See, this is what God is saying. Have faith in God. The only way you can speak to a tree. The only way you can speak to your body is you got to have faith in Elohim. You got to have faith in God. And guess what? He's giving you the God kind of faith. He's giving you his faith to believe those things that look like they're impossible. This is why you have the gift of faith. Because the gift of faith to walk in the midst of a room and say, you're not going to die. You're going to live. And you're going to declare the works of the Lord. Get off your bed of affliction. Because by Jesus Christ. You are already healed. What are you doing? You're speaking on the behalf of God because you're so intimate with God that you say, no, that's not what my father created. That's not how my father wanted to be. This is why he said, I have given you the right. I have given you the authority. What does that mean? That means that God said, I'm not coming out of heaven. He said, I'm already down here because you're my temple. He said, so if I'm down here inside of you, you got to do the work just like it's done. Oh, y'all don't hear me. You got to do what's in heaven and bring it down here to earth. That's why you need an intimate relationship. Because we allowing things here on earth that is not allowed in heaven. This is why he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom to bind on earth. When you bind on earth, he said, it is bound. Y'all, that's a promise. He said, whatever's on earth that's operating legally, when you begin to bind it, he said, it's bound in heaven. He said, when you begin to lose, he said, I'm loosening in heaven. He said, but I can't bind or loose without you speaking to it. He said, because I have given you the right and the authority. So God reminded me, there was a man, y'all know him, George Washington Carver. And I know we got taught about him in school, but we really didn't get really taught about this man and how he come about with creating oil and all of this stuff. We didn't we didn't get all of that. But the way he did it, he would take flowers and when a flower would die, he would go into his place by himself very early in the morning. He would take that flower, even though that flower was dead and he would hold it up. And he would say, Mr. Creator, he said, you created this flower and you know all about this flower. You know more about this flower than I know about this flower. So, Mr. Creator, I'm coming to you concerning this flower so you can tell me what to do. And he would wait. He called him Mr. Creator. And he would wait on God to let him know what he would have him to do. He said, that's how. I invent. This is how I do what I do. He said, because nothing would be made without Mr. Creator. He said he created the flowers. 
He created the trees. He created everything. So I have to go to the one that has created it. What I'm saying to you, when your phone is messed up, you got to go to the one that created the phone. We can sit there and play around with it and do this and change that around, but look like it won't work. But when you go to the source, the one that created it, they'll tell you exactly what's wrong with it and it's fixed. God is our source. This is why the psalmist is saying God is our refuge. See, he made it personal, not only for himself, but he's making it to let us know he's not only my refuge, he's your refuge. He is Elohim. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of all things. He started out with Elohim, who God is. He's Elohim. So if he's Elohim and he's the creator, he said he is our refuge. Refuge here means he's a shelter, y'all. So being that he's Elohim and I know him as my creator, now I'm getting to know him as my shelter. That means when danger comes, God is my shelter. And even in the midst of danger, sometimes we get weak, don't we? But when we get weak, he went on to say, he's your shelter, but he's going to give you strength. He's going to give you might. That means he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might... The Bible said, he increased your strength. See, you're waiting to get strength from you. It ain't coming. But when you begin to call on Elohim, when you begin to call on Mr. Creator and say, my strength comes from you. And I need strength from you today because I can do nothing of myself. Because the Bible said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So this is how you got to see him. God is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our creator. He is our might. He is our ability. Then he gets to the point of a very present help. What the present mean? Anytime I need help, he can be found. Anytime you need help wherever you are, God can be found. Only thing you have to do is call on him. Why do I call on him? Yo, you don't call on him because you know about him. You call on him because you know him. See, I can know about apostle because of what I heard. But when I get acquainted with apostle, it go beyond what I heard. We have come in acquainted. So the more I spend time with her, the more I talk to her. And when somebody come to me and tell me something outside of her, I say, no, that's not apostle. I don't know who you're talking about. That's not the one I got acquainted with. That's not the one I've been spending time with. That's not the one that we've been praying together with. No, that's not apostle. So this is why this psalmist was saying, God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help, meaning that he can be found in any given situation. He's an on-time God. Y'all, this is the key. The day that you got born again and you accepted Jesus, really, that was the hardest thing that could ever be done because the enemy didn't want you to accept him. Because he know by you accepting him that you were going to be quickened. You were going to be made alive. You were going to be rescued from under the power of darkness. And you were going to be translated into the kingdom of light of his dear son. So the enemy had to prevent you from accepting what Jesus was bringing. From accepting Jesus. 
And the moment you accept Jesus, he came in to live on the inside of you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to dwell, to remain. And you're the temple of God. In the Old Testament, they had a tabernacle. And in in order for them to get to God, they had to do certain things to get to him. But because of what Jesus done, we can go to the throne boldly. I mean, boldly. We don't have to beg and we don't have to plead. No matter how you mess up, you say it ain't about me. It's about what Jesus done. So I can go boldly in Jesus name because he don't see me. He see his son. See, our problem is we try to fix us before we go to God. You can't fix what he already fixed through his son. Jesus already took care of past, present. And future sins, he washed those sins away. He did it once and for all. See, the priest had to stand daily in that temple. They never sat down. They had to stand before God. The only time they sat down if they were dead and they didn't hear no bell ringing no more. Y'all hear me? Because they didn't do things the way God wanted them to do. So if they didn't hear nothing, they said, they got out of here. We ain't got nobody to stand in the gap. But Jesus... When Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, the Bible said that he went up and he sat down at the right side of God. That means he was sitting there because he said, my blood is crying out mercy on this mercy seat for you every day. So guess what? You accept it through what I done. You will never be accepted by what you do. So if anybody in this room is trying to get accepted by coming to church, by paying your tithes, by talking all nice, by doing good, let me tell you something. He, he lets us know that your goodness is not going to get you into heaven. Your goodness is not going to get you there. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much you visit the sick. I don't care how much you do things that appear good. He ain't looking at that. He's looking at your heart. There got to be a heart change, y'all. And when the heart changes, people know who you belong to. Because you don't do the same thing the way you used to do it. So Jesus said, that's why he said, come as you are. You can't clean yourself up. It don't matter what you've done, when you've done it. Come on. God is, is married to the backslider. God already took care of the prodigals. God already took care of everything through Jesus Christ. This is why we develop our relationship, not knowing about him, but knowing him intimately for yourself. Don't you go on me telling you. It's good that I'm telling you, but when you go into the word, And you get intimate with him for yourself. I remember the lady that was up to the well. And Jesus began to talk to her. And she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And Jesus, as he talked with her, she began to go tell others about Jesus. And they were excited about what she was saying. But then when Jesus came in on the scene and he began to speak to them, they said, now we believe him based on what we heard. Because Jesus spent time with them and Jesus opened up their understanding. He said, we ain't going on what you say no more. We're going on what we heard for ourselves. And this is what God is telling you. Don't just come in the house of the Lord and sit in there and you're hearing. God said you can't only be a hearer. You got to be a doer of what you heard. And that's when you know that you have received truth. 
When you go out and you're living the truth, you're being about your father's business. You're turning away from sin. Why? Because sin was done away with through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the more that you renew your mind, have a change of mind, the more you won't be conformed to this world. And then when your mind is changing, when it's transformed, that's when you can prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. You cannot do it without the word. You cannot have a change of mind. When your mind change, your heart will begin to change. Why? Because there's a transformation taking place. So the Bible said God is, Elohim is, our refuge. He's our strength. He's our very present help in trouble. Do anybody know what trouble is? Come on, trouble is distress. Trouble is affliction. Come on, we have trouble all around us. Every time you turned around, something is going on. If the gas prices ain't changed, this has changed, that has changed. And daddy was sharing with me about the water and how the water, um, they're talking about the water and how the water is messed up. Come on, we got trouble all around us. But when we know who we serve, when we know who he is, it don't matter what's around us because we have taken him for who he is. He is Elohim. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my sure defense. He is the lion of Judah. He is the prince of peace. When you know who he is, it don't matter what's around you. You can ride through the storm because you know who he is. This is why Jesus, when there was a storm raging, there was a storm all around them. Jesus had the audacity, y'all, to get in the same boat and go to sleep. Hmm. Don't you know, Jesus already knew there was going to be a storm. But Jesus rested in the midst of the storm. And his disciples are trying to get through that boisterous storm. I believe they probably had buckets. They had everything trying to throw the water out, thinking they were going to die. So they began to wake Jesus up. They began to wake him up. And as they began to wake him up, Jesus began to rebuke the wind. And his main thing was, peace, be still. And he asked them, why are you so fearful? See, this is what God is telling us. When you know who he is, that's when change began to take place in your life. That's when a calmness began to come. Even in the midst, even in what you heard, you had so much peace. People think you're crazy. How in the world can you be at peace after what you heard? Because God is my refuge. God is my fortress. God is the prince of peace. So I know who he is. And the Bible says in verse 2, it said, therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, that means change, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. They said, we will not fear. Come on, y'all. Who does that? All of this going on around them. But if you catch the first verse, you will know why they was at a peace. Why they were at a calm, why they were not fearing, even though everything was changing around them. God is saying some of you got change right now in your life. Some things have changed around you. Some things have come in to upset you, have come in to take you off course. But when you know who God is, it don't matter what change come. You know that you have someone that will take care of you. Someone that has already conquered everything that's going on around you. 
That's why you got to know who he is. And when you know who he is, you won't worry about it. See, sometimes we have concerns, but the Bible say, cast all your cares upon me. Why? He said, because I care for you. So when you know that he cared for you, you give him all your concerns. You give him all your worries and say, God, this don't belong to me because I found out who you are. In the midst of this situation, I found out who you are. So those first verses, verse 1 through verse 3, it's telling you when you know who he is, you don't have to fear when trouble comes. Come on, we got to stop right there and say, Selah. <laughs> because God, y'all, this is deep. Because trouble's all around us. Things are happening on a daily basis. We're seeing people getting killed. We're seeing diseases come upon the earth and sicknesses come upon the earth that doctors ain't even never heard about. We're seeing people getting convicted wrongly because they was in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're seeing all of these things around us. We're seeing young girls, you know, being prostituted. We're seeing people go through some difficult situations. We're seeing young kids being um, missing, people abducting children. We're seeing a lot of stuff that's happening around us. And the Bible yet is telling us that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our present help in the time of trouble. The Bible's telling us no matter what the trouble is, he is letting us know you're going to have trouble. You're going to have things that's going to come upon you. But when you're spending time with Elohim, when you're spending time with God, you don't have to fear. You can be out of peace. You can be out of rest and say, I know who God is. And I know what God said outside of what I heard. That ain't my God. That ain't the God that I serve. When we go back in the book of Exodus and God was getting Moses prepared to be the deliverer for the people. To bring them out of Egypt. Egypt was a place of bondage where they were 400 and some years. But you know one thing I like about God? When he talked to Abraham and Abraham had a relationship with God. He let Abraham know what was going to happen to his people. He let Abraham know what was going to happen to the descendants. He said, Abraham, they're going to be in captivity for 400 and some years. Come on. Abraham had rest even at what God was saying. Why? Because God said, they are going to be in captivity, Abraham. He said, but they're coming out. I'm going to tell you something today. You may be captured by something today. The enemy may be holding you. In the area today, but I hear the spirit of the Lord say, you coming out, you already out. So it don't matter how you feel. It don't matter what it looks like. God said, I brought you out. So he had to give that security to Abraham. Because he gave Abraham a promise. See, we think that we're not going to go through something, but I'm telling you, going through stuff make you stronger in him. It make you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So Abraham took God at his word. They went in bondage, and when they went in bondage, they were in affliction dealing with Pharaoh. And when they were in that affliction, they began to cry out to God for the reason of their bondage. And God heard their cry. Guess when God heard their cry? In due time. Because God knew the timing. See, God, when he know you in a place, let me tell you something. God ain't going to leave you like that. Because God is going to send somebody to bring you out even when you can't bring yourself out. Even when you feel like I can't do this no more. 
and Moses was listening to God. He had to get Moses prepared to bring these people out of bondage. See, we got too many people on the pulpit that ain't prepared. They don't even know who they are. And they're trying to lead people. They're trying to bring deliverance to people and they don't even know God. They don't even have an intimate relationship. But Moses, God was preparing him. And as he was getting him prepared, Moses said, who do I tell the people? I got to read it, y'all. I got to read it. The word is so good. The word is so good. Y'all come in the right place at the right time because I don't stop until the Holy Ghost tell me to. Exodus 3, listen at this, verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. God was giving them a name. And that I, I, I am means to be, to become. So God said, whoever they need for me to be, whoever they need for me to become. He said, tell them I am. Y'all got to hear what I'm saying. So that's why he's a present help in the time of trouble. Because whatever the trouble is, God said, I am who you need for me to be. He said, I'm going to become who you need for me to be in the midst of your trouble. Y'all don't get it? So he said, who do I say you are, God? Oh, y'all should be excited. Y'all should be excited. Come on, some things will come on you so quickly, Calvin, where you can't even think straight. But you're going to remember this scripture. And you're going to say, God, you told me that you will be who I need for you to become. So, God, this is what I need. And the more time you spend with him, you're going to know what to call him. God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help. In the time of trouble, when you know who he is, trouble don't last because you know him for who he is. Come on, ask your neighbor, say, who is he to you today? You got to know who God is. That's what he was telling Moses. He said, you tell him I am. So we know him as Elohim. See, I'm telling you about him as being Elohim. But when you come to know him as Elohim, that's when you begin to pray and you say, God, I know you as Elohim. I know you as the creator. God, this dishwasher ain't functioning the way it need to function. I am not one to work on no dishwasher. But you told me you will become who I need for you to become. So I need for you to become Mr. Fix-It today because I don't have the money, but I know you as Jehovah Jireh. Y'all come on now. You begin to talk to the one that you have become to know. Y'all think I'm playing. I talk to my stuff. When my money look funny, and I know some people money look funny. Some of your money might look just right, but sometimes that money leave your hand. That's why you got to know who God is. 
Come on, when you ain't got no money, it look like trouble all around. What do I mean trouble all around? This bill got to be paid. That bill got to be paid. It's surrounding you with bills. But when you know him. So he's our present help. Who present help? He can be found, y'all. No matter what situation we're in, God can be found. He's found in the midst of the storm. He's found in the midst of the situation. To bring you out. To let you know I come to bring peace in this situation. It reminds me of Gideon. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites. All of them was hiding but they got in that place with the Midianites because they got out of place with God. See when you get out of place with God you're going to be found by your enemies. Let me go somewhere first. (laughs) You're going to be found by your enemies. When you get out of place with God, why? Because you're wide open. I'm going to go somewhere. See, y'all don't believe that. I'm going to go somewhere with a, with a psalm that you always quote and don't know what you're quoting. Go with me to Psalms 91. Come on, we quote the quote, but you got to understand what you're quoting. See, you can't take the word out of content. You can't just be saying it and say it. It got to become real to you. L- listen at this psalm. Oh, y'all know it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you how meaty that one verse is. He that dwells, that means lives. That's my address. That's where I live. Listen at this. He that lives in the secret place, that's a hiding place. That's a place that you can't be found. Guess what? We're hidden in Christ Jesus. I'm hidden. Y'all better hear me. We're hidden in Christ. So he said, he that lives. See, Psalms 91 need to be your address. He that lives in the secret place of the Most High. Now, I want you to understand this. The Most High means Elion. That means that he's a God above everything. See, that's some meat in the verse. He that lives. In the secret place, that means you're hidden in that place. In the secret place, he that dwells. In the secret place, you got to dwell in that place. You got to live in that place. You got to remain, remain, abide means remain. That's where you remain. When you come out of that place, it's no longer secret. When you come out of that place, that means you're doing what the world is doing and you ain't covered. He that dwells in the secret place shall abide. You shall remain when you're dwelling and living in God. And when you're doing what he's telling you to do, God got you hidden from everything that's going on around you. It can't touch you. It can't penetrate you because you are remaining in the place of Elion, of the most high God, El Shaddai. The mighty God. See, that whole verse should tell you I can't come out of the secret place. This is where I live. This is where I abide. I'm up under Elion. He's the most high God. He's above every God. That means that when Jesus took back what the enemy took, he put us in a high place. He put us above principalities. 
We are above them. They are underneath us. So when you see yourself in the secret place, you are hidden. He can't find you, y'all. It can't find you even though trouble's around you. It can't touch you because you are living in that secret place. And it says here that when you're in that place of the most high, you abide under the shadow of the almighty. When you look at a shadow, y'all, it's like a shade. And I'm going to tell you how, how that is. When Moses went up to talk with God and Moses was telling God, if you don't go with us, we're not going to go. Lord, show me your glory. And God was letting him know that I'm going to show you all my goodness. See, his goodness is his glory. But he said, what I have to do, you can't see my face. He said, so I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. That's Jesus, which is the rock. He said, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to hide your face from me. I'm not going to allow you to see. But guess what he did? He covered Moses. See, when the glory comes, who God? The glory comes, it covers you. It begins to hide you up under the shadow of Shaddai. That means the almighty God. If you don't get the first verse, you can't get verse 2, which says, I will say of the Lord, which is Yahweh. He is my refuge, my shelter, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. You can't even say the second verse. Until you know the first verse. And if you know the first verse, you begin to say the second verse. And when you get down to the third verse, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the Norselum peasants. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield in thy buckler. When you get verse one, you can begin to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. In God, I will trust. Why? Because I am up under the shadow of the almighty. I'm living in a secret place, brother Willie. The place is so secret that nothing around me touches me. Because God got me shielded. Because I'm hidden. Oh, God will hide you. He will hide you from everything that's around you, and he will give you the peace even in the midst of it. Why? Because you come to know him as Elion. You come to know him as the most high God. You come to know him as El Shaddai, God Almighty. So when you come to know him as these things, you will not worry because you have come to know him. That's why Gideon, Gideon was in hiding, but Gideon come out. You know, you get hungry, you got to come out and do some stuff. But he was watching when he come out. But when he come out, Deacon Rick, he got sought up. There was an angel that had a word from Elohim, that had a word from God. And he began to tell Gideon, he said, mighty man of valor. He was calling him a warrior. Gideon didn't see himself as a warrior. He said, we're the least in Manasseh. We're the least ones. He didn't look at himself for who God said he was. But as the angel began to speak to Gideon, Gideon began to ask him, well, God, if you're going to deliver us, if you're going to bring us out 
I heard all of this that you said. But he began to put something before God and say, God, you got to do this. God done what Gideon said. And Gideon said, oh, Lord. He recognized I'm standing in the presence of Yahweh. I'm standing in the presence of Jehovah. He said, I have seen him, so now I'm going to die. Because you can't see his face and live. But the angel began to say, peace be unto you. That means he said soundness, wholeness, safety, security, healing be unto you, prosperity be unto you today. He let him know that you're not going to die. This, that's, what, that's why Gideon built an altar and said, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom means peace. He know that the Lord is peace. So I want to ask you today, do you know him as Jehovah Shalom? Because when you know him as Jehovah Shalom, you're going to call on Jehovah Shalom. When everything around you is sinking sand, you're going to say, I'm calling on Jehovah Shalom. I need some peace today, not as the world give it to me. I need the kind of peace that God gives to me, a peace that's going to give me rest. See, this is why David and, and Psalms 23 say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then he says, he leaded me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He go through all of this song, but then he say, he leaded me in green pastures. He leaded me beside still waters. See, a good shepherd is going to put you in some green pastures. A good shepherd is going to lead you beside still waters. That means it's quietness and it's peace where he's taking you. There is a rest. God wants us to be at rest and we can be at rest, y'all, when we know who he is. When you don't know who he is, you can't be at rest because you're still trying to do things on your own. So Gideon knew him as Jehovah Shalom. That's why he said he's Jehovah Shalom. That's why he built that altar to remind them, I have met with Jehovah Shalom. I have had a relationship with Jehovah Shalom. I got to know him as Jehovah Shalom. And then God began to take me back. We talked about Abraham and how Abraham trusted God for Isaac. Y'all know he trusted him. 25 years after 25 years, he got Isaac. But then God said, now you got him. I want you to give him back to me. Can you imagine waiting all those years for a promise? And God said, now I want the promise back. But Abraham was so much in relationship with God. He believed God. He trusted God. He said, God, if you kill him, you got to bring him to life. Because you gave me that promise. And you're not like man. You're not going to lie. So he said, Abraham, I want you to take your only son. And I want you to take him up to this mountain. And I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to kill him. I want you to give him back to me. So Abraham took him and he took the men with him. But this is what he said. He said, you stay here. Me and the lad is going up there, but we'll be back to you. Oh, my goodness. Come on, y'all. Are we in that place with God? Are we in relationship with God to take him at his word and move out on his word? See, that's how you know you're in relationship when things don't look good. And God is telling you to do something out the ordinary. But you trust in God because you're in relationship with God. You have a covenant with God. You know that God don't lie. You come to hear God. You come to know God. You got acquainted with 
God. So you're saying, yes, Lord, whatever you say, if you want my son, here he is, God. But I know, God, that you ain't going back on your word. So y'all the son. Daddy, you have the sticks. You have everything. But father, where is the sacrifice? Come on. Who can look at their child and say, you're the sacrifice? Abraham didn't say that. You know what Abraham said? God will provide. See, come on. He wasn't even lying to the son. He said, God will provide. Come on, in times like that, when you're going through with your children, come on, y'all, we go through with children. Children have ups, they have downs. But when we know who he is, regardless of what we go through, we have to look up and say, God will provide in the midst of this situation. So they went on up. He took his son, y'all, he put him on the altar, getting ready to kill him. Y'all know what God did. God told him, don't touch that son. He said, now I know, Abraham, that you love me. Now I know, Abraham, where your heart is for me. Because you trusted me even with your only son. And guess what? There was a ram in the bush. I'm going to say something. Y'all ain't taking the time to wait on your ram. See, Jesus was the ram. Jesus done done everything for you. You already have what you need. The only thing you got to do is do what he's saying. So after he said that, this is what Abraham said. He named the place Jehovah, child, my provider. Abraham could not have named that place that if he hadn't have done what he said. Some of y'all are not getting to the promise because you're trusting you more than you're trusting the promise. You got to let go of you. To get to the place where God is carrying you. God is saying we're holding on to us too much. But yet we're hollering God. God said by you holding on to you. Ain't no point of you hollering me. Because you wish washing. You like windshield wipers. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. And when you're double minded and you're unstable. You don't get nothing from God. One minute you can't say God can. And the next minute you, you're saying with you God. Then you go back and say I know he can. Then the next minute say when you're going to do it God. Then you're going back and say I believe you God. But God why ain't you done it. That's like a windshield wiper. You're back and forth. But Abraham was steady in what he believed. He was fully persuaded before he even got Isaac. See, y'all, this is what we do. We go to God. We call on the names of God when we're in trouble. When trouble cease, we forget the names. Because when something else come, we forgot what he already done. So we forget that he's Elohim. We forget that he's Elyon. We forget that he's Jehovah Jireh. We forget that he's Jehovah Shalom because we're so anxious. We get so worried. But the, most, the time that we spend with God, you have to let go of you and say, God, I know who you are. I know what you have already done. 
So that's what Abraham did. So we talked about Elohim, the creator. We talked about Elyon, the most high God. We talked about Jehovah Jireh, the, my provider. We talked about Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Now, look, Jehovah Rapha, he is a healer. How do you get to know him as a healer? Because when you go through in your body and you're going into the word of God and you're reading what the words say about healing, you get to know him as Jehovah Rapha. So as you get to know him and you come acquainted with him as being Jehovah Rapha, guess what? You'll stand on him as being Jehovah Rapha. I know one of your redemptive things. You Jehovah Rapha. You are my healer. Not saying you're going to be. You're my healer right now. So I'm taking you for who you is. You're Jehovah Rapha. So you have to know for yourself who he is by being in the word of God, the word of life. The word will quicken you. The word will bring life to you. And it tells you that he's our banner, Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. Oh, y'all, he's a banner already. All right. Come on. We see that red stained banner. When we go into war, guess what? We know that the blood has already accomplished everything that it needs to be accomplished. And then we know him as Jehovah Roe, a God who sees. God, you already see, you already know God. So when we know his redemptive names, guess what? Knowing those names, not just knowing about them, but experiencing those names. Abraham and Gideon had to experience the name through going through it. We don't want to go through it. But in order to have an experience, come on, we can read the word. But if you ain't experienced the word, it's just a word. But when you experience the word, it's the word of God. It ain't my word. It's God's word. See, we don't take time to experience it because we put our trust in someone or something. And you can't do that because when you look at, I'm going to give you the example of Elion. Why did they call him the most high God? Because when the ark got taken in 1 Samuel, the fifth chapter, the, the fifth chapter, verse 1 through 8, the ark got taken. And they had the audacity to sit God, the ark, by Dagon. And he was a false god. He was an idol. He was dumb. He couldn't speak. So they had the audacity to put the ark by him. They went in the room and that dumb god that couldn't speak fell. Bow down before the ark of covenant. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is God because he's Elion. He's the most high God. They picked him back up, Dagon. And they come back, Dagon, not only bowing, but he have no hands and no head. This was a statue. Because God said, have no other God before me. So guess what they had to do? They said, oh, we got to get him out of here. Because they got infected with emeralds. They got so infected with emeralds, they passed in the Ark of Covenant down. Everywhere they passed, they got emeralds. There was trouble. Then they bring him back to the Philistines and say, you got to get him out of here. What am I saying to you? People supposed to be affected by your God. People supposed to be bowing down to your God and not theirs. How do they do it? Because the more you lift up the name of Jesus... You will end up drawing all men unto him, not unto other gods. But the more you talk about who he is, what he done, people are going to begin to bow down and say, Lord, have mercy. 
nobody bowing down because we got other idols before him. Do you know what people do? They got so many gods, they put God in the category with other gods. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I serve Buddha. Oh, yeah, I serve Muhammad. I serve them all. But God is in the list of those gods. And he's the Elion. He's the most high God. So anything in your life that you putting above God is your idol. That means you got to let go of those idols in your life, whether it's money, whether it's husband, whether it's wife, whether it's children, whether it's dog, whether it's cat, whatever it is, you got to let them go and say, I'm having no other God before God. So when you call on God, you ain't got no blockers in your life. They're stopping him from coming through. So this is why they knew him as the most high God, Elion. So you got to know why these names are in the Bible and why they called him these names. Because God said, I am the most high God. Going back to Psalms 46, and I'm going to close it out. In Psalms 46, we got through verse 1 through verse 3. When you come up in here, you're going to get taught. When we look at verse 4 through verse 7. It talks about there's a river, the screens whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Lord. The reason why they're describing this, because in verse two and three, there was trouble. There was the um, mountains in the midst of the sea. The sea was raging. But God comes as a calm river. He comes as peace. This is why I called him Jehovah Shalom. So in the midst of trouble, there's a calmness. And the reason why you have calmness is because you trust in God more than you trust in your situation. And after that calmness, guess what else they said here in verse 7? The Lord of hosts, that's the Lord of armies, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now look, the God of Jacob is our refuge. That's Elohim. His names are all throughout Psalms 46. So when you know who he is, that refuge there is your shelter, not your shelter. It's your fortress. It's your stronghold. When you read the word of God, if you see refuge three times, it don't mean the same thing. So you got to know what the Bible is saying so you won't take it out of content. So he said he is my stronghold. A stronghold is a place that you in hiding where nobody can get to you. It's like uh, walls around you, and they can't penetrate through those walls. So they were describing this. Where am I going? The main verse I want you to see, you know how we say this verse in 10? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. You know how we pull that one verse out and we say it all the time? That be still means, still means to let go of your attempts and know. Still mean to let go of your attempts and know. So when he said be still, he said let go of your concerns. Let go of you and know, experience that I'm God, that I'm Elohim. If you don't let go of your um, attempts, if you don't let go of your concerns, you're not going to experience me. You're not going to know me for who I am. He said because I will be exalted. I will be honored. Above the heathens. Some of us have not let go. So how can you say. Be still. And know that he is God. When you have not developed. Your relationship. With him. 
I'm telling you today, church, trouble's all around us. Things that you're seeing, don't be alarmed. Don't be shocked by those things. God is getting his people ready for what's yet to come. And he wants us to know him in such an intimate way. When it comes, we don't fear. We're not alarmed. We're not afraid. Come on, these famines that was talked about in the Bible, don't think that you're left out. The water's beginning to change. You got to trust God. You got to hear God. You got to know him as Jehovah provides. I mean, know him. When the economy changed, when they begin to cut things off that you were used to getting, you got to know who he is. You got to know that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. This is why he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because he knows the earth changes. He said, but my word is going to stand. It's going to remain. He said, give us this day our daily bread. What am I telling you? God said he wants you to be at a rest. He wants you to be at a peace. He don't want you to be anxious for nothing. He said, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind through who? Through Christ Jesus. And then he tell you what to think upon. Why? Because he said, in order to receive what I have, you got to be at rest. You cannot be anxious. And the only way you're going to be at rest is knowing who I am. Getting to know me in an intimate way. So God is saying, seeing God for who he is brings rest. And God wants us to be at rest. And the only way we can be is seeing him for who he is. So God is preparing you, Miracle Temple, for what's yet to come. And I advise you, don't take this word lightly. If you have a Bible, get in it. Allow it to get into you. Go into a place where you can be taught, where you can be strengthened. This is why they come together in the book of Acts. That's why when they went through trials and tribulation, they came together in prayer. They began to pray. They began to remind themselves of who God is. They began to remind themselves of how you brought us out of Egypt. Why? Because they were being strengthened strengthened from the word of God. And that's why foundation shaped. That's why there was some suddenlies. Because they knew who God was. And that's what saved them when their situation was arising. The only thing that's going to save you, and I want you to hear this, is the word. The only thing that your money ain't going to save you. Because it's going to get to a time that money ain't going to be no value. It's getting to that time now. Y'all, I remember $20 used to mean something. That's like a dollar. A $1,000 used to mean something. Don't mean nothing. People that got millions and trillions, it don't mean nothing. Because they done bought everything. Ain't no excitement in it. Money don't do nothing for some people. I hear somebody say, do it for me. (laughs) It ain't going to do it for you. Because if you don't know how to handle what you got, that ain't going to help you. It will fall out of your hands, people. So God is saying there is change. I'm telling you, God is giving you a warning. Get to know him more in an intimate way. Things are happening so quick and so rapidly that we're looking like, well, it ain't come over here. It's right around you. You just ain't opening up your eyes to see. Death is all around, y'all. You can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is 
why. Now is the time of salvation. We don't waste time. We need to talk to young folks. They're dying. Look at the killings in school. Young folks. They're dying. And and they're out in the open now. They don't care. They shoot you where you stand. And then you know what we say after the fact. Let me broadcast this. I wonder if somebody offered them Jesus. What are we offering? What are we telling people? You know, I let people know, yeah, there's a heaven, but there's also a hell that God didn't make for you nor me. He made it for Satan and his little angels. It wasn't made for us. That's why he loved us so much. He gave his very best, which was his only begotten son. God had to come off his throne and become a human to walk this earth, to die on our behalf. Because it wasn't a human being on the earth that could die for all of our sins. Because all of us were, were once sinners. We missed the mark. But Jesus fulfilled every law, every rule, every regulation. Jesus did it all, y'all. We couldn't do it. So the only way we can get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And we take in that way lightly because we think this world has everything that we need. The world cannot give you what God has already given you. And that's what the enemy don't want people to know. They think that this world is all this in a bag of chips. You're living in a fallen world. You're living in a world that's full of death. This is why you see in death. This is why you see in chaos. Why are you still here? Because you are hidden. If you in that word, you are hidden from these things. He said, no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague, no sickness come nigh your dwelling. Why? Because you're hidden. You're living in the secret place. And he said, I even given my angels charge over you. Amen. When they were singing, it's your season, I saw angels standing on each side. Horns meeting each other, blowing the horns. Why? Because God was decreeing and he was declaring. It's time out for you looking at you. It's time out for you to get out and do the great commission and quit looking at title. Quit trying to exalt yourself. People are dying. And if they die before time, we know where they're going because we gave them what God told us to give them. Ain't no time to feel guilty now. The time has passed. It's time for us to get in the highways and byways and begin to blow our horn, begin to decree and declare. But we're too worried about what's happening with us. What I ain't got, when I'm going to get it. We're supposed to be praying for those that are lost. Jesus came to seek and save those that was lost. He already knew what he had. But we're praying these selfish prayers. I need a hundred dollars. I need to be healed. I need a man. I need a woman. And when you get them, you don't want them. You're ready to get rid of them. You done buried them. Made the worst mistake of my life. Well, I'll give you some credit. You did look pretty. People did eat all your food. Now you're going home with a monster. Got claws. Don't know what you got. Then when you get them, oh, then you're really praying. Lord, save me from this. 
Time out for games, y'all. This is true, y'all. This is true. My heart cries out. My heart cries out. Come on, people shouldn't be leaving that young. God said, with long life, I shall uh, satisfy you. Renew your youth like an eagle. That's his word. God give us 120 years. That's his word. We looking at young folks, cut the fool. Do what they do, and we bypass them. We need to be open to the spirit of the Lord. And when God says stop and minister, you stop and minister. I don't care if they look like Frankenstein. He's your protector. You stop and tell him God loves you. If that's all he's telling you, shut up. They're going to remember that. If he stop and tell you to tell him, you go home tonight. You don't need to be in the midst of that. Because we was in a restaurant at one time. Y'all already eat my food. Yes, it was. You know how you get when you're hungry after church. You don't want to be bothered. You don't. You want to eat your food. You hungry. I'm sitting there and the Lord had me to call somebody over there. And when I called them over there, I began to speak and give them a message, gave them a warning. They didn't take heed to the warning. And guess what? This is what I'm telling you. When God is speaking, he speaks to save you. He speaks to bring you out of your mess. And y'all, my heart is grieved right now. Because when we come into the house of God and we get in the truth, you don't just lay truth down. Knowing the truth is what sets you free and sets other people free. That's why we present truth. We don't care who it is. We let them know what God is saying. This is what the apostles did. They stood in the midst of the persecution. And they gave them God's word. We stand in our homes being comfortable because we got food, because we got light, because we got everything we need, a nice bed. We got a good husband, a good wife, children doing okay. So who cares about them? That ain't God. Because when we begin to pray and we go to him in prayer, God is going to let us know who to lift up. He's going to let us know what to do and what to say. And God will bring warning to the house of God and say, this is what's happening amongst you. And I'm going to tell you, it ain't over. It ain't over, y'all. Seek him while he can be found. Begin to encourage these young folks and let them know it ain't over until God said it's over. God wants you all to himself. You don't have to be in this game. You don't have to be doing, and they'll be like, how you know, some gang people look normal. They ain't wearing no colors. They ain't representing. Now, the ones that's out there trying to be all this, they represent. But some just go to, they go to school. They in college. Because they say we need education too. They say we mingle right amongst people in college. Because that's one of our mottos. We want to learn too. We want to get it. They're hanging right there in schools, calm and cool as a cucumber, until the high dog or whoever he is says it's time to retaliate, and the one that you think ain't is sitting right beside you, respectful. How you going to know these things if you ain't in the spirit on the Lord day? Matter of fact, some of them probably been to your house with your children, sitting at your table, saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, speaking your same language. Because, yeah, they get into the word. Come on, you had one up in here, knew the word better than people that's been in here 20 years. Repeated everything I said, stood right up here and repeated it. Verbatim. And we take this life. The only thing that's going to keep you is the word. And it's time now 
to don't come into the house of God just to say, I've been here. It's coming into the house of God to get the word in you so you can get it to somebody else. So you can take it to your home. Because the ones you think ain't is. So I'm telling you today, let go of anything or anybody you holding on to. Because the enemy is setting you up. He's setting you up for a fall. Let go of what you're doing because remember, the only way you can live in that secret place is to do what his word says. The only way you are hidden is through that word. If you out of the word, you're not hidden. You wide open for the enemy to do what he need to do. That's why when you watching stuff, y'all, and after you watch it and the Holy Spirit say, you don't let death out in your house, clean your house. See, people take this for, um, Game. You begin to shut those doors you open in your house for death. Because that's the enemy way to come in. Lustful movies. Nudity. You setting your kids up for the spirit of perversion. Because you're sitting there watching it with them. You showing them how to have sex. You showing them how it start, how sparks fly. Everything now on television is represent the world, even the cartoons. And if you don't watch what your kid's doing, you're going to be watching what they're doing. Because they're going to bring television in your house, R-rated. This is why you close doors. People look at me like I'm crazy. I remember, and Daddy can be my witness, and I'm going to close. My kids, I will not let them watch Scooby-Doo. And people say, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo ain't bad. Scooby-Doo was representing fear. It was representing ghosts. It was representing all that stuff. So they went over daddy's house and they were turning the TV for the cartoons and Scooby-Doo was on. They say, Ari said, Grand Grand, we can't watch that. Because they knew what I said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because when I'm praying at night and I'm seeing dark images fly by me and I know I ain't brought them up in this house, I'm getting ready to check you out and see what you're doing behind them closed doors. See, you got to have eyes to see. Some of them sneaky. How sneaky are they? I ain't shaming my game. Got up one night, spirit of the living God. Went in my son's room, left the phone. Oh, Jesus. I went back to my husband. I say, wait up. Look at this. He, you don't see that? I was told up. Boy, you don't mess with me. Who this? <laughs> Doreen, give me her number. She knew me too. Mr. Manor, please, 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 I won't do it no more. Don't call my mama. <laughs> Y'all look at this like, you too far out there. No, I'm too in with Jesus. Because you ain't messing up my house. We're going to clean house. People look at it like, you don't go on too crazy. No, I've been in the word too long to know what's in front of me that is not going to come in here and overtake my house. And we buy the stuff. Give them all these dungeons and uh, <clears throat> dragons. I used to watch that thing with Jeremy, Dragon Ball Z. Get my plate of food until my baby turn on Dragon Ball Z. Saying the sayings along with my baby. I said, baby, how you say that thing? The lady come over to my house. She said, oh, what you got in your house? I said, I ain't got nothing in my house. She said, something up in your house. 
begin to pray. Look, that old Dragon Ball Z in my house. Jeremy wouldn't even sleep in his room. He was scared to sleep in his room. I said, Lord, why is my baby scared to sleep in here? The Lord said, clean everything out of this room that don't represent me. Clean the room up. I said, Jeremy, you can go in your room now. Am I lying? Slept all night. Because I was inviting demons in my house. Had some friends to stay over with my son. Thinking because they were cousins. They were all right. They left, went home. I'm up studying one night. I'm seeing a dark image fly by my door. I said, the devil is alive. You getting up out of here. Didn't tell my husband. Husband was in the house. Flew by him. <laughs> my husband opened that door and said, you getting up out of here. <laughs> Listen, God is telling you this for a reason. All this mess. We inviting it in. You know how we invite it in? I don't want my children to be one of the least. I don't want them to be behind time. I don't want them to feel left out. They got to do a little something. When I stayed with my granddaddy, you couldn't even play Yahtzee in his house. He said, ain't them dice? I said, yeah, granddaddy, that's part of the game. He said, that's gambling. He ain't say another word. Come back the next day. Matter of fact, Aunt Shirley bought us that Yahtzee game. Come back the next day. I said, where my Yahtzee? He says, over there in the branch. What did I tell you? <laughs> See, y'all, God is giving you these warnings for a reason. Granddaddy threw Yahtzee over there in the field. So I learned to respect my granddad help. And I never knew what all of this meant then. But the closer you get to God, he'll show you what's amongst you that you ain't never seen before. So I'm telling you right now, y'all, get in the spirit and you'll know what's around you. It's time out to befriend our children. Because I'm going to tell you something, ain't nobody perfect, even preachers kids. So that's why we watch as well as pray. So in order to be at rest, you got to know who God is. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. I want to say today, I give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for what he has done in our lives. But I give God honor, glory, and praise for what he has done in my dad's life for these many years. I want to uh, thank God for my dad on the day. Today is his birthday. And I give God glory for my daddy because I tell you what, through all his trials and tribulations, and y'all heard some of them trials and tribulations, he stood. And through all our trials and tribulations, he's still standing, still encouraging, still telling us what to do and how to do it. And don't let him even think about you being worried or anything because he'll tell you what the word says. Well, this is what the word says. So I give God glory for my dad and want him to know that we love you very much and we thank God for the many, many, many years. And I'm not going to tell you how old he is. Many, 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 many years God has given him. And I just give God glory for that. Amen. Amen. And at this time, we're going to go ahead with our um, tithes and offerings. And while they're coming up here with that, do we have any visitors that would like to